I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So I love this series. I've been loving it as we've been in it, this this idea of the rise after the fall. And I love that it kind of came after... Uh, that, that series called uh, What to Do When You're About to Give Up, right? Where we were talking about different things that kind of got you to your breaking point when you were ready to give up. And I love that this series follows that so closely because we're in that series, we talked about what to do when you were on the edge, right? What to do in response to being on the edge, and that is turn to the Lord and in those different circumstances and, and, and work through those things, right? This is kind of the what now after that, right? After we've kind of stepped back from the ledge where we're ready to give up, where we're maybe at this, this rock bottom point or the, this low point that we saw no hope in. Now, as we've stepped back a little bit from the ledge, what now in response? And so last week, we took a look uh, at a story in the Old Testament that really talked about what to do, right? What, what, what it looked like, where to go from that point of extreme brokenness and really rock bottom. And the redemption that comes from that, right? And we looked at the nation of Israel and what the Lord called them to through Moses, right? And this week... We're going to be looking at a similar story in the Old Testament where one of the men of Scripture that, that is kind of renowned for having a heart truly for God, what he did after he did some of the most unthinkable things imaginable. And his response and his start towards redemption. But before we jump into that story tonight, let's pray together if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, tonight I pray as we dive into your word that you would illuminate some things to us. Lord, that as we read your word that we would seek to connect with it, maybe in a way that we haven't before, and we would see ourselves in Scripture. Lord, we love you. In your precious holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So open with me to Psalm 32. To Psalm 32. If you, uh, if you have a, a paper Bible, the easiest way to get to the Psalms is pretty much go right to the middle and open up. You will probably find yourself in Psalms. And the Psalms were majority written by one guy. And, and his name is David. He, he was actually king of the nation of Israel. And David was an incredible guy because he is labeled, he has one of the coolest titles in all of scripture. He is known as a man after God's own heart. And I love that. I, I, I look and I'm like, man, if there's one title throughout scripture 
that I would want to have, because I definitely don't want Jesus' title, because uh, he's way too good at that. But if there was one title that I want to have in Scripture, it would be that, a man after God's own heart. And for all the crazy, incredible things that David did, and for all the faith that David had, and the praises that he lifted up to the Lord throughout the Psalms, and and the things that he did for the nation of Israel, he also did some pretty messed up stuff as well. And really what the Psalms are, if you've never read the Psalms, Uh, Like I said, a majority of them were written by David, and they were kind of like his own personal journal. And so when he would be both in times of extreme joy and extreme hardship, he would turn to these psalms and he would record his feelings and his thoughts and his prayers and his praises in the psalms. And I love the psalms because they are a very personal look at kind of the behind the scenes of someone who is really has a heart for God, but at times is really wrestling with the Lord. And so we're going to be reading Psalm 32 tonight, but to really understand Psalm 32, you really need to understand the background, right? The story behind the journal entry that we see here from David. And so David, like I said, he was king of the nation of Israel. He was known as a fantastic king, one of the greatest kings of the nation of Israel. But like I said, though he did some fantastic things, what happened before he wrote Psalm 32 was one of the most heinous things he could have done. You see, David, he was walking on the palace and he looked down and he saw a woman bathing on her roof. And being the king, he asked to meet her. And he heard that she was married and that her husband was away at war. And he invited her to the palace. And You can fill in the gaps of what happens next. It wasn't very God-honoring at all. And then come to find out, she's pregnant. And David sits there and he goes, oh no, what do I do? Right? I've sinned. I've been caught in the midst of this sin. I've done, I've committed adultery. And I don't know what to do. And so he schemes and he looks to deceive and lie and so what he does is he has her husband sent back from war in the hopes that he would stay the night at his home and that he would assume that that child was his but this woman's husband was a very honorable man and and he looked and he said You know, if my fellow soldiers don't get to stay at home with their wives and their families, I will not either. And he camped outside of the palace in loyalty to the Lord and the nation of Israel and his king, David. And David looks and he's frustrated, right? There's this incredible act of loyalty and he's frustrated by it because his schemes failed. And so David schemes some more. 
And he has this woman's husband sent to the front lines where he knows that she will perish or that he will perish. And so he goes to the front lines and is killed. And then David marries his wife. And there's this incredible heinous moment, right? Where not only has he committed adultery, not only has he lied, not only has he deceived, but now he has committed an act of murder. Right? Pretty much all the worst things you could have done by society's standards. And then he tries to cover it up and continue to hide it. Play like it didn't happen, that it was no big deal. And eventually... One of his friends confronts him and says, this isn't right. You know this isn't right. You've sinned against the Lord. And David, thinking that it had all gone away, thinking that it was all covered up, that no one, no one knew but was wasting away inside, finally broke. And at his lowest, he turns to the Lord and he writes Psalm 32. And so I'm going to read Psalm 32 in its entirety. It's 11 verses, and I want you to follow along with me. And here's one of the things that's very interesting about Psalm 32. Many scholars believe that Psalm 32 is actually written as a song, a song of heartbreak. And so throughout, you'll hear three times, there is this word that is recorded, selah. And the reason why it's not translated to English is because there, the translation is kind of debated amongst scholars. But the idea that most of them come to is it's supposed to mean a pause. Now, some people say that it's supposed to be a pause in the music. Some people say that it's supposed to be a pause for reflection or to say these things are offered up to God. Regardless of the reason, I think we understand that it's supposed to mean this pause. And for me, I look and I think it's kind of meant to be both, right? A pause in the music, but a pause in the music that's supposed to be to really take time and think through what was just sung, or in this case, what's read, and relate to that moment. And so as I read Psalm 32, and I read the words, Selah, I'm going to pause afterwards for a little bit. And I want you to think of a time where you, maybe like David, were just broken. Where maybe you've done something and for you is just unthinkable. Where maybe you got caught in some really terrible things that you had done that you had maybe thought you'd get away with. Or maybe a time where you had been holding on and trying to cover up something and it was just eating you away from the inside. And for some of you, maybe that's where you're at tonight and that's just right on your mind. But I encourage you, as I read, relate to what David says and take that time, those pauses, and really reflect on what he has to say. So here we go. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1, going through the verse 11, says this. Blessed is the one 
whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, for my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. Continuing in verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Continuing in verse 6. Therefore, let everybody or everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me and you preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Again, starting in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Right, you can see, you can really feel the emotion of David in this passage, right? 
Especially when you take those pauses. Like, I, I, I personally feel kind of the progression of his heartache and his hurt and his brokenness and the depth of that in these moments, right? This is someone whose heart is truly weighed down by the sin that they've committed. And you may look and go, yeah, rightly so, Justin. Like I I would look and I would hope that David's heart was a little bit broken after he committed adultery, after he lied, after he deceived, after he'd covered stuff up, after he'd had someone murdered. I would hope that his heart would be broken. That makes sense. And for you, some of you are sitting with broken hearts and you can't figure out why. You're sitting feeling at the edge or not knowing what to do or feeling completely lost. And I'm going to say to you, that's because of sin. Because of your sin. And I don't say that from some high and mighty pedestal. I've been in that same moment. In those same moments of sin. I'm not perfect. But even this man, right, who's done this horrible, these horrible actions, right? He's broken and he's beaten and he's weathered. The reason why he's called a man after God's own heart is because he turns to the Lord in that brokenness. When the question is asked, what now? For all the mistakes and messed up things that David has done, he had one right answer, and it was to turn to the Lord. And if you look at the story of David, when he's confronted and when really the conviction of the Lord sets in, he immediately goes before the Lord in prayer. And then this is a continuation out of that. And so as you are sitting here maybe broken or maybe at this this point of feeling lost, of feeling like you don't know where to go, my encouragement to you when you ask the question, what now, is turn to the Lord in confession. Seek forgiveness from the Lord. Start there. I'm not going to say that there's a process to it, right? But the beginning of that process is turning to the Lord and seeking forgiveness. Because here you can hear the words that David prays and you can see how he turns to the Lord and he knows that the Lord is an incredibly forgiveness, forgiving God. He offers incredible forgiveness that can be offered by no one. And this rings true for us too, right? Because of our sin, we've been separated from God. Romans says that the wages or that which we've earned, the only thing that we've earned in our sin is death. And both that means a physical death where we will die, but a spiritual death, a separation from God. Because following God is life. 
A relationship with God is life. That's what we were created for. We were created to walk with God and be in intimate relationship with him. That's what we see happen in the very beginning of creation when Adam and Eve, they walked with God and they worshiped God through their relationship with him. And that was our purpose. That's why we were created. And through our sin, we died to that. And God loving us and being this forgiving God, being this God who seeks to not count iniquity against us, who seeks to resolve our transgressions, as David puts it, he provided a way for forgiveness. You see, we had incurred this debt, right? This sin debt. And the only payment that was sufficient was death, was the shedding of blood. And so what did God do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and he lived on earth being both 100% God and 100% man. And he lived a life completely perfect. And even in the midst of incredible temptation, he did not sin. Thus, incurring no debt. And he went to the cross and he died on the cross and shed his blood to pay our debt. That, so that we could be forgiven. So that our iniquity, our sin, our evil the things that we don't want other people to know, the things that we are ashamed of, the things that have gotten us to our lowest and most terrible points in life so that we could be forgiven of those things. And he was buried. And then three days later, he rose again, showing that not only had he paid our debt, but that there was money left in the bank, so to say. That he had power over death. He was greater than sin. That he had conquered hell. And the Lord offers us forgiveness. And what does he say? He says, confess with your mouth And believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he is risen from the dead. Tonight, you need to know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, no matter how deep you think you are in whatever it is, redemption and forgiveness is possible through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again, if you didn't hear. No matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, no matter how broken you may feel, forgiveness and redemption is possible through Jesus Christ. That when you confess to him, 
When you turn to him with your iniquity, when you turn to him with your transgression, he will forgive. Scripture talks about he is just and he is righteous to forgive and to cleanse us of all sin. That is the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why I get up on this stage. That's why your table leaders show up here. Because we want you to know the truth and the redeeming power of the gospel. Of having salvation through Jesus Christ and following him with your life. That conquering sin is only possible through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not possible through self-help. It's not possible through just trying your best. It's not possible through a system or a program without the power of Jesus Christ. And so whether that sin is addiction, whether that sin is hate, whether that sin is bitterness, you can fill in the blank, whatever it may be for you. Redemption and forgiveness is only possible through Jesus Christ. And so my, my encouragement to you tonight is see the path, the process that David took. Right? Turning to the Lord and being confident in his forgiveness through the Lord. And take that step this evening. Maybe for some of you, you've never had salvation, right? You've never confessed with your mouth and you haven't believed in your heart that he is Lord and he is risen from the dead. You've never turned to him and confessed your transgression, your sin. Tonight, let it be the night. Let forgiveness and redemption step into your life tonight. And I encourage you, don't wait. Don't put that off. You don't know what lies for you when you walk out these doors. I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to give you a sobering reality. You don't know. That you would seek confession. If you want to know more about the gospel, you have more questions about that, I would love to talk with you. Now, don't get it twisted. That doesn't mean that you're exempt from consequences from your sin. David had consequences from his sin. If you want to know that passage and read those, I can give that to you. But there were consequences. And you may still have consequences. You may still have to own up to some things. But I can tell you, the path to redemption starts there. And maybe you're here and you're a follower of Christ. And you follow the Lord. But maybe there's some things that you're trying to conceal. Maybe there's some things you just don't really want anyone to know about. And maybe for you that extends to the Lord. You want to pretend like the Lord doesn't know. I want to encourage you to remember the words of David. 
verse 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You may look and say, man, I am right there with David. You want to know why? The Holy Spirit is convicting you. Because confession is the path to forgiveness. So maybe tonight you need to spend some time praying and confessing some things to the Lord that maybe you just haven't really wanted to talk about. Maybe you need to find, grab a table leader, grab someone to hold you accountable and and share with them maybe some things that you really haven't wanted to talk about. But tonight is the night. If you want to start the path towards forgiveness and redemption, it comes from turning to the Lord and turning to the gospel and turning to the salvation that he offers and confessing. And one of the things that I love about tonight is, yes, this is a hard message, right? It's a a deep message. It's a heavy message. One of the things that I love is we're getting ready to celebrate here in a couple moments some people who have said, Lord, I confess. And the joy that that means, the forgiveness that that brings, the life that that means. And so, though this is heavy, right? And though you may be sitting there and and your heart may be aching, maybe there's been some conviction in in your life, I'd encourage you, don't, don't let that fade, We'll have table leaders down front who are ready to pray with you, who are ready to to talk with you and, and encourage you and help you in that process. But then as you go about that, celebrate with these individuals tonight because of the salvation that they have turned to and that they want to express to you tonight. They want to show you this evening. But ultimately, make that choice to turn to the Lord. In these times, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would lay the hand of conviction on us, that we would recognize our iniquity, that we would turn to you and you alone, because you alone provide salvation, you alone provide forgiveness, you alone provide redemption. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you tonight. Lord, and I pray that we would trust you and we would trust your word and we would cling to the promises that you've given us that promise us forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. Your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.